Welcome to Play, Learn, Teach. We bring early childhood educators together to ask questions about raising children in these challenging times. This episode has been sponsored by OLA. Our Certificate 3 and Diploma courses teach early childhood through the head, heart and hand. If you want to sing, dance and craft every day, talk to us about careers in early childhood education. Welcome everybody to today's episode of the Play, Learn, Teach podcast. Uh, If you're tuning in via Apple or Spotify, please visit our site, igniteminds.com.au slash podcasts, where you will find additional commentary, links and resources. Please scroll to the bottom and leave your questions. We love to hear your thoughts and we love speaking with you. Hi, Jake. So nice to be with you this morning and, and talk to everybody. I've just been recently communicating with educators and there are two key things that keep rising up in our conversations and they're not new. I've been hearing them for years and what they have to do is the one thing is storytelling and story making. Most people read stories but they are nervous about storytelling, uh, learning a story and making up a story is even further away. And the second thing is how to create an environment that supports their children in a way that makes them feel they belong. So it's kind of how do we meet children from the inside using our imagination and storytelling and support them from the outside in the environment, making them feel at home, comfortable and a sense of connection. So we're probably going to do two podcasts and this first one will be about storytelling, story making. And Jake, you have some nice things to say about um, stories. So maybe you can just say a little bit about what um, we're thinking of talking about today. Yeah, thanks, Carol. So so storytelling has always always been a big part of our oral tradition for a very long time. It seems that since we have become literate, many of us educators feel under-equipped to tell stories without a book, Um, you know, telling it from heart, as they say, telling a story from heart. So we know that children live in their imaginations, a kind of dream-like consciousness, and they love to hear stories about animals, plants, the earth, when when we were a child, uh, what happened yesterday, what happened to other children. Any sort of story engages the child completely, and um, it can be quite captivating to watch as soon as a story happens anywhere. It could be somewhere at the park and, and, and an adult just starts telling a story. Children are just drawn in like magnets. We can help change a situation and a behavior with an appropriate story as well. So a healing story that is made off the cuff. But this takes an experience and practice and confidence. Everyone's found a different way to tell and um, make stories. And the way I do this in the family daycare setting is we do follow a very narrative approach to education, meaning that stories are told as part of uh, every intentional teaching activity. And the way I've programmed my family daycare setting and my teaching delivery is working from a macro level down to the micro level, similar to what you're saying, Carol, in, in from the inward to outward uh, perspective. I look at the, the macro level, I'm talking about the whole year and seeing it in uh, the stories that evolve throughout the year. And the, 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 my first entry into this was um, the Anglo seasons. So it's quite easy to 
break the year up into four seasons, summer, uh, autumn, winter and spring, and then find stories that follow that uh, seasonal narrative. This connects the children to the world around them. We can see the changes happening. Uh, there's, there's craft to be had for each season. There's a story, uh, lots of stories, uh, very seasonally based in the, in the Anglo world, uh, where a lot of the um, uh, traditional fairy tales come from. And so it's, that, that's an easy framework to start with. The next, I took it to another level next last year where uh, we looked at indigenous seasons. And that was really interesting. There are actually eight uh, recognized Wurundjeri indigenous seasons and six uh, Boonwurrung seasons. And it's, it's about finding, uh, you know, the, the people for your local area and really connecting with their stories. Because, I mean, indigenous stories have been around a lot longer than Anglo stories, and and you really, uh, as you enter into that world, you sense that deep connection to the world around us that the indigenous people embody, and it can be expressed to the children, and the children can engage on that level too. So that's been really wonderful. Uh, this year, I'm looking more of at the calendar year, so uh, looking at twelve the twelve months of the year, and weaving in the English seasons, the Anglo seasons, <laughs> spring, summer, <laughs> autumn and winter, weaving them in, but also weaving in the indigenous seasons too and, uh, and the themes that abound them and, and then a lot of the other festivals that occur throughout the year. Um, there's some amazing festivals that uh, highlight the year for, for us and weaving them in in this monthly approach is going to be quite exciting so that there's a, an ac a craft activity, a story, a song for each month of the year and we're building this up as a circle time program um, which I hope to provide uh, as a resource to other educators, uh, students of the CERT 3 program with Organisational Learning Australia and for parents too to engage with so I'm really uh, excited about embarking on that adventure and just to finish up the way we use that those macro stories the the big picture stories that navigate the year in the daily routine in the micro level and the daily level in the family daycare routine we have our circle time stories and songs which happen every morning from about 10 o'clock we bring everyone together and we sing songs tell stories and uh, have craft around a theme so uh, this the past season theme has been autumn and we've been been doing leaf rubbing and uh, then the next thing was weaving into winter so we've been finger knitting and weaving our way into as we prepare for winter so that's our circle time in the morning we also also have a lunchtime story just before nap time at around 12 30 and this is a storytelling which is what we will be de delving deeper into today where i use props and I, i'm not reading from a book i'm telling a story by heart and that's really exciting and wonderful skill to develop which we'll be talking about later and then we have the afternoon story time about 4 30 with, uh, uh, with which is a book telling so the children can pick a book each so usually have four preschool children and they go and pick a book each so we read through four stories around 4 30 and this is the time of day when children start to get a little bit edgy they you know they want to go they're ready to go home and the stories just help the children ease into that next transition which is home time which can be quite uh, an anxious time for for everyone including including me <laughs> so uh, I quite like that time of sitting on the couch uh, reading stories with the children it's really lovely and then they're ready to, to leave the house they know that that's the marker uh, that's nearly the end of the day when we get to choose a book and Jake reads to us on the couch 
so that so the daily routine there's about three uh periods of storytelling or, or, or reading uh, stories or, and then that's woven in to that yearly program uh, that macro level program um which is uh guides our year beautiful jack um what what i hear you saying is that you're kind of developing a culture and if i think back in time immemorial stories were always told around the fire and these stories were told long before human beings became literate these stories were told to educate to inspire to create a culture to help people develop values in their communities and to tell the history the history of the past and um this really developed the culture of the society uh, and kept everybody talking about belonging kept everybody in a space where they felt they belonged to that society and i think that um this gathering around the fire at night which is what you're saying it's it's definitely what i would call peak hour of the day is about 4:00 5:00 when the children start getting a bit ratty and you feel there is a transition to another time we've lost that connection because of electricity and electric light but actually if you live without electricity the sunset and the beginning of the evening is a very magical time and you start to get into a very different mood so i think stories are absolutely wonderful for that time i think about the children and how much they live in their imagination and really what they need is nourishment not only for the body but for the imagination and we can't be human enough without the stories that are told so and we all tell stories i mean i'm telling a story right now people who tell a story of what happened to them in the day everybody can do that so i feel it's something everyone can do but we've lost confidence we've lost confidence because we think we have to be experts or we have to know how to read the book and read it with um, with imagination and action and just somehow getting into the reading makes people feel that they can't speak i noticed that in africa that i worked with a lot of so-called illiterate people who were just the most wonderful storytellers quite naturally they didn't depend on having to read anything but they had this oral history which we know in in australia an oral history that goes back tens of thousands of years they remember these things and so we lose that when we start to read interestingly we sacrifice that so i would like to say that it's only takes practice it's what you said earlier it just needs exercise and practice and there are different ways that we can approach it so i have a um, a little starting point which i'd like to share and then i'd love to hear what you do jake one of the things that uh, and you've been referring to it all the time nature nature is the most incredible example of stories that we have in the world the metaphors are all out there i mean just to talk about the metaphor of transformation in what happens to a caterpillar into a little chrysalis and then into a butterfly this is a metaphor for life and a metaphor for transformation children really take up that image or set of images and it transforms the way they feel in themselves without you having to talk about in an intellectual way about transformation or change or whatever it's a living 
uh, example of a very deep and profound process. So nature, I believe, is our ally. It's our friend. And what it requires is that we actually embrace it. The way indigenous people are completely embedded in it for the large part, um, they understand the stories all around them. They know the story of the mountain and they know the story of that particular tree. Uh, and what we have to do is to find our way back we have to find our way back with consciousness. So what you're doing in your center, Jake, um, creating a culture for children to live in and to develop values, uh, you're creating a whole community and a whole society just in that micro level. Um, we have to all do that where we now reconnect ourselves to nature, not only by looking it, at it as a resource to be used, so in a very utilitarian way, but actually as a magical picture, imagination of how everything actually works, belongs, is interconnected and has incredible wisdom and beauty. So what I do just very briefly is I ask my participants in my courses, find an object in nature that you connect with. They bring the object and I say, okay, so when you look at that and you feel it, what happens inside of you? What does it say to you personally? So the first thing is make a personal connection. You can't keep it outside of you. You have to actually take that object into your inner being and say, oh, this reminds me of my old grandmother. I'm just looking at how curly and crinkly and wrinkly it is. Um, and I just feel such a warmth for this old wise cone, for instance, pine cone that I'm holding. So that's the first thing. Make a personal connection. Make an emotional connection. Then observe the nature object and describe it. Um, so what is the purpose of this? Is this to hold seeds? What, what is it doing? What stage of life is it? And you can find out a lot just by observing and having an inquiring mind and seeing on a tree, you've got different stages of development to the cone. Um, what happened for it to become like this? And then the question would be, okay, what is the gift of this object? So you would describe the gift. What would be the challenge? Ah, oh, maybe it's heavy and it needs to be blown around or whatever it is, what is its challenge? And then to really get inside the object and feel what could be the gesture. Does it stand up tall and straight or is it very will-of-the-wisp and can be blown away or is it solid and strong and, you know, holds centuries inside it? So you find the gesture and then you move into the voice. Well, if it had a voice, how would it speak? So if it was solid and it belonged to a very wise old time, you can hear my voice is already changing uh, and it's been there a long time, had thousands of years of patience that will take things slowly because it knows a lot. So then you've actually begun to develop a character and you try it out with your voice and you try it out with your body and then you create a simple story and it really helps to get together with somebody else. And children are beautiful in that way. If you have children, you say, I've got this rock and it's very old and it knows a lot. It's coming out into the world, maybe moved by the river. And what do you think it finds? 
And then the children could have nature objects lying around and they pick one up and they say, oh, they found this little leaf lying on the water. And before you know it, the story has a life of its own. And when you reach that point, you realize, oh my goodness, it's not only me, but the story has its own momentum and I can go with it and I can travel with it. And for me, that's the first important place of empowerment where actually it's not far away from me. It's right inside and waiting. Um, there are all kinds of other things that I would add to it. There's so much to learn about actually making it conscious, using onomatopoeia, sound words, alliteration, rhythm, repetition, the magic of three times repeated, like the billy goat's gruff, using humor, kindness, wisdom, and respect for the wholeness and inherent wisdom of children. I think those are the values that need to guide you in your stories, that they are part of a whole and that there is a, an ethical dimension to the way we interconnect. This episode has been sponsored by dragonflytoys.com.au. Play experiences that are beautiful, enchanting, strong and safe, environmentally friendly and fairly traded. So what is your approach, Jake? How do you kind of in the middle of a situation during the day, you haven't got any time and you see a certain situation, how would you approach this? What would you do as a kind of ad hoc storytelling and then maybe tell us how you prepare for stories? Thanks, Carol. I actually did your course seven years ago, the Nourishing Early Childhood course, which is part of the CERT 3 now with Organisational Learning Australia. And it took me a little while to build up the confidence to get to this level that we are talking about now. And um, and I just like to talk a bit about that, how we got to this point, how I found the confidence to engage in the type of storytelling you're talking about here. And then I'll go into how that comes about in the family daycare environment. So when, yeah, I, I, when in your course, I remember doing that exercise and it was really empowering and I loved it. And uh, I could really sense that uh, it's, it's about learning the, how to communicate uh, the qualities of uh, objects, you know, really engaging with the qualities of something and expressing it f for them. So, you know, a, a stick can't talk, but uh, I can embody those qualities and tell it for them. And it took me a while to get to that point, though, and... How I got there, I, I, I'd started to identify with the character, the bard. It's an English, I was born in England, so it wasn't a big stretch for me to pick a character like that. The bard in those days would go around traveling the towns and uh, would, is like the modern day news where it would uh, turn up at the, the bard would turn up at the pub, uh, would get out the lute, uh, sing a song and tell the, the, the punters all about the news from around the towns, any, any news that uh, they'd picked up on their travels. And that's how news was spread. And the, the, the bard would do this through song and story and, and probably there'd be some craft in there too. And, um, it w and people would drink and listen to the tales and ask questions and, and the, the story would sort of build over the night, merge into song, go back to a storytelling and then weave into other things and, and usually a, a pub fight at some point, which is <laughs> kind of fun. Fun, a fun part of the character. But um, to get there, actually, uh, this is more for um, any parent or educator. If you're not feeling the confidence, this is how I got there. There's a, 
I, I broke it down into some levels. So level five is the bard, you know, they're totally confident, roams the countryside, telling stories whenever uh, they can. Uh, level one is reading a storybook. So reading, getting out the book, reading a story, you know, it's ideal if it's it's nature-based for, for children. That's what we're talking about at the moment. And there's lots of lovely uh, books um, that you can actually get from Dragonfly Toys. Books by Sybil von Olfers and um, Elsa Besco. They're lovely nature-connected stories. Reading a storybook. What I do, this is where I started, is I scanned ahead of the words. Right, So I'm reading the words, uh, Bill saw a river flow through the valley. So I'm reading the words... Bill saw a river flowing through the valley. And I'm reading each word as I go. But if I start to scan ahead, I, I notice the word river and flowing before I get to saying it. And I take in the quality of a river or flowing and the valley. And that quality comes out as I speak. So I'm scanning ahead and I'm saying, Bill saw a river flowing through the valley below totally changes from reading the words, Bill saw a river flowing through the valley below, and I start to bring in the qualities of the words. And I do that by scanning ahead. So I'm not reading each word. I'm looking three words ahead. I'm scanning for the next word to come. I embody that word, and then I speak it. And that's, that's, that was the level one. So I'm still reading a storybook, but I'm trying to bring in the qualities of the words um, to, for the children. Uh, level two was I uh, actually ended up editing a lot of storybook, particularly if uh, you a parent you you've read Ina Blyton's books, you end up having to edit it. You come to the point where one of the children is getting a spanking, and you have to you see the word spanking, and you go, oh okay, um, I have to make up some other word, <laughs> or or a child is called stupid and uh, or silly, even silly, and so you have to scan ahead and edit as you go uh, with Ina Blyton's books and probably some of the older uh, books as well. And this editing, you actually become, you're becoming a storyteller. You know, you're having to come up with another word or another sentence even. At one point, I actually bought a secondhand book, uh, Chronicles of Narnia. It was secondhand because uh, it had been bound incorrectly. So page 90, we were well into the story, you know, gripping tail for my five-year-old. Uh, page 90, and then it jumped to page 120. And, uh, and so, I, so I'd missed out on 30 pages of the story, and I couldn't... Yeah, I was, I, it was mid-story. I couldn't stop and, uh, you know, search ahead. So I had to make up myself, make up 30 pages worth of story. And, uh, and you know, that, that took some effort. I had to think of what the characters would do. And hopefully, when I got to page 120, I would be at the right spot. So when I did get to, I, I was flicking through and telling the story, making it up on the go, on the fly. And then when I got to 120, it went back to page 91. And uh, I, then, I, then scan, <laughs> I then scanned from 91 through to, back to 120 and found that, um, yeah, that I, I should edit what I had just said because it won't make sense when we get to the, uh, the, where we're up to. And then, uh, so I was editing what I had just said and then we got to the back to the uh, where we should have been and could flow on. You know, my five-year-old didn't really notice. There, there was, she, she could probably tell a little bit that the, the, the style had changed somewhat, but I was able to keep the story going and I had become a storyteller by editing <laughs> the book. 
so we're talking about level three now. Uh, this is where you tell a story by heart. And so this, this can be tricky, especially with the Grimm's fairy tales, because they're so well written. So they, they, you read them in the book and uh, they're, just, they're so beautifully written and everything flows into one another. The words are lovely. Uh, it's, it's because it's been edited over hundreds of years, you know, so it's, it's a really well written tale for the children. But to actually memorize each word and then retell it exactly as it's written is or is almost impossible it's just i've i've tried and failed and so the idea uh, you learn to tell the story by heart by focusing on the key elements so there's a you know there's a character they go on an adventure there's usually three events like carol was saying there's a, there's a there's a rule of three and there's a meeting and then there's a conclusion and if you just focus on those um those elements of the story and and you weave in your own words you know that's that's the grammar that we're using today and the words that are relevant to your child and words that you would normally use then it becomes uh, the same story but told by heart and that's level three stage of uh, of taking a, a, a well-written story and retelling it so level four is I'm talking about combining the craft, the songs, and the story into one big narrative, like like I'm trying to do. That's what I feel I'm up to. So in a day, there'll be a story, um, and it'll be connected to the craft we're doing, and there'll be a song which backs it up, and then it leads into play, so that the children end up playing that narrative out throughout the day. And that's really lovely when you see that happen. And then, of course, level five is, is the bard, and this is what I'm still working on, and is, is the character who tells a story just by showing up. And there's the modern-day version, is com I find, is comedians. You know, comedians, they just stand on stage, and you could just, you could just watch them just stand there. You know, they, they're just presenting uh, straight away. They're presenting a story straight away. Uh, performers and artists and, uh, and, and, and Carol as well. Witness Carol sit with children, and a story just comes up. And Carol will say, the story came to her, and the children will say, oh, I want another one. I want more stories, more stories. And, uh, and Carol will say, well, I have to wait for another story to come <laughs> you know, the, the, the story the fairy will come and drop one off or maybe she won't and and you just work like that and uh and that's what i think is uh, that's what i'm attaining to is that there's a, there's a perpetual story happening and it can happen at any moment it's spontaneous and is engaging and is linked to the whole so in in the family daycare setting i I'll do a mixture of all three. Like I'll tell a story, a storybook at 4:30 because I'm I'm tired by then. And uh, in the middle of the day, I'll tell my big uh, storytelling with with props, which is planned. So I've I've worked it through, and it fits in with our tales. And then at circle time, I'll I'll com try and combine all three. And then sometimes when uh, when I've got the inspiration, I'll I'll become the the bard and be at the park and pick up a a gum nut and stick it onto a stick and poke that in the ground that looks like a person and then make a clearing with the bark and and find some leaves or go ask the children to find some some nature objects and bring them together and invite the children to to co-create a story and that's really lovely and it's inspirational um, it has to come you know it has to come from you um, it, children are notice disingenuous uh, behavior quite quickly so it has to be yeah an inspiration it has to come uh, from within and be guided by nature but uh, yeah that's that's really lovely when that happens too yeah I think what's really important what you're saying is that when you get yourself involved in story making and creating 
that you become inspired by the experience. I find it enlivens my whole life, really, is to be involved in an imagination. And I think um, when you were talking about telling the story by heart, um, one of the things I just wanted to add is that you actually see it. Uh, you know, the word recite, I'm reciting a poem or I'm reciting a narrative. It's to recite, it's to re-see it. So it's really important, like you, you said about the river flowing, you see the river and you embody the quality. You have to see it, not the words typed out in front of you. You have to get behind the words and see the actual event taking place. So re-seeing it and building your imagination which then ties up with what you just said at the very end, which is it's an authentic experience. You love telling stories. You tell them because you want to. You tell them because stories do come. Uh, sitting with children and absolutely happens for me. It's totally true. The story came God knows from where, but something I saw in the child or in nature just evoked a story and it just came and I'm just the messenger of the story. And that's an authentic experience and it's something that you can't pretend. The enthusiasm and the wonder that you feel when you're actually telling that story is um, something that's infectious for the children. And as you say, it is like magic. They just want to sit down and listen to you. You don't have to tell them to sit down and listen. They want to. So I think this is the whole art of storytelling, which I believe is the central art of education on any level. Yeah. Um, next week, I'm very interested in exploring the whole idea about how we create an environment that helps our children feel a sense of belonging and connection. And I think a key issue, again, is our wonderful ally, nature, and uh, to learn from nature how we can help the children feel supported and nourished by their environment. Uh, and eventually it becomes something you do authentically because you can feel it. You see it and you can feel it as an educator. So um, I'm very looking looking forward to exploring that whole notion, Jake and um, Uj, if he is back to discuss how we provide an environment, whether you've got an apartment or you've got a house or you're living on a farm, luckily, um, how do you create an environment that really supports children's development and sense of belonging? So thanks so much, Jake. I so enjoyed this uh, discussion with you today. This episode has been sponsored by Ignite Minds. We teach play-based learning from within our nourishing homes under the family daycare umbrella. Inspired educators join our team. This podcast was produced by The Jones Collective, thejoneskollective.com.au. Chat to us today about your podcast.